So here we are, the final Sunday of 2018, and we're, we're sort of in that weird moment of Christmas Day has, has finished, and we're in this period now where uh, we're before the new year, and no one really knows who they are, or what their name is, or what they're supposed to be doing with their lives, and, and this is this sort of weird period. But this morning I want to speak around, along the title of New Year, New Wardrobe. And many of us will be thinking about that in the new year. They'll be thinking about what am I going to wear in my new year? What's my new outfit going to be? Am I going to continue to try and look hip and trendy and young? Or am I going to just accept the fact, you know, I'm a wee bit older now and I have to change my outfit? If you want to turn to Colossians chapter 3, I'll be reading from that in just a moment. We're going to read the first 14 verses of Colossians chapter 3. And I'll just give you this moment as you can turn it. I'll read um, those verses in just a few moments. But as I said, this is the year where we look back, or or this is the time of the year where we look back um, on all that sort of happened. And um, I don't know if, this is going to hang here, lovely. Um, I don't know if many of you have Facebook or not. Don't worry, my whole message is not going to be about um, Facebook. But if you have Facebook for a, num- a number of years, you know that thing called Facebook memories that sort of comes up and, and reposts something from years ago. Um, and I don't know about you, but have you ever seen, or maybe even for those who don't have Facebook, um, over the past couple of days or weeks, you've had family around, and, and, and what you do is you get like photo albums out of previous Christmases and show people, this is what we did in Christmas and blah, blah. And have you ever looked at a photo of yourself and thought, what on earth? was I worrying? What on earth was I thinking? Why did I ever think it was appropriate to wear that? Why did I ever think that that jumper and trousers combo matched? What was going through my head? And you see, fashion and style is subjective. And as you probably eyeball me up and down, you think, well, you can say that again. That's an interesting, (laughs) an interesting rig out you're going there, big fella. But fashion is subjective, and I find it fascinating. I really, do. I, I really love um, clothes. I probably am one of those odd like males who uh, we're, we're growing in number, but I, I love fashion. I love going and, and buying clothes. I, I think I do love it more than more than Kelsey. But I, I find it fascinating, like watching other people's fashion trends. And please don't feel insecure. I'm not judging you at all. I'm, I'll probably take some tips of what you're wearing and be like, I want to try that. I'm going to give that a go. Um, but maybe over this Christmas period, you were fortunate enough um, to get some new clothing items. Maybe you're one of those people who are really fortunate enough to get some clothing items, or you, you saved some money and went into the Boxing Day sales and got yourself some new things. See, for me, over Christmas, with, when it comes to new clothes, or, or even just the whole year, there are two types of people. The first are like me, and before it's even out of the box, you are wearing it. Like, if you can wear it straight away, like, as much as you can. Is anyone like that? You wear it straight away. Like, if you could wear the shoes out of the shop, you would. Like, that's me. I'm that guy. And I've actually, like, Kelsey was really nice and got me a, a number of items, um, clothing items this year. And I had to really, like, exercise self-control not to wear all of them straight away. Like, I knew we were coming to church on Christmas morning. I was like, okay, I need to wear maybe one or two items. I can't wear the full, like I can't come in on a full new like rig out here. This is looking weird. So I have to like exercise self-control. Now the other people, or maybe the rest of you, are those who, it takes them ages to wear their new stuff. They'll, they'll see a new, they'll get a new sweater or a new pair of jeans or uh, a new top or whatever and it'll be like, 
Ah, it's lovely, but it'll stay in the bag for a while because I like my old stuff. I like my old thing. I like my favorite coat, my favorite sweater, my favorite jeans or my favorite shoes, my favorite dress or certain things that we just think that is our favorite thing. And actually, I've noticed over the years that, that sometimes we wear things that are, that are detrimental to us. Um, I've had a number of conversations, now you'll be pleased to know I haven't tried this out myself, but I've had a number of conversations with women who complain about wearing high heels. Now, I see the same women continuing to wear high heels, and I'm like, why, why do it? Why suffer the pain? And it's like, it's fashionable, it's fashionable. I was like, but it hurts. Like, why would you do that? But then I did that as well, uh, not the high heels. Um, <laughs> a number... A number of years ago, I had a favorite pair of, of, of trainers that I had, and I loved these trainers. I would have wore them all the time playing um, football. And I remember I got a hole in the toe of them, but I loved them so much that I continued to wear them. Continued to wear them. And when we were growing up, we used to play football at, at Little's um, car park. And I remember going with some of the guys and playing football there with my ripped shoes, and it was raining. And so then my feet were soaked, and I got like the same spot where the hole was in the toe of my shoe. I always got a hole there in my sock. And so I always had one sock with this hole in the exact same place every single time out of two pairs, all the time. But I just kept wearing them, even though it was detrimental to me. I always kept wearing them. And it does seem, even with the sort of high heel situation, the women, or um, with me and the, the shoes and the whole, it seems ludicrous that you would choose to wear something that was affected you negatively. Especially if you were fortunate and lucky enough to have another option. If you were to have something else that you could wear instead, it seems ludicrous that you would keep going back to this old thing that has holes in it or that hurts you. However, we do this daily with our character and our choices. We'll wear things that are dysfunctional and destructive on our character. We'll wear things that don't suit us, that don't fit us, that doesn't really help us, doesn't complement us. But like our favorite clothing item, we'll wear them because we're used to them. And if we're honest, we secretly enjoy them. We secretly, deep down, enjoy gossip and talking about people. As long as we're not the culprit, as long as we're not the main person, as long as we're not being talked about, secretly, deep down, we, we kind of like it. Or secretly, deep down, our flesh enjoys idolizing money and materialistic things. We know what the Bible says, we know what it, we shouldn't like it, but deep down, there is that need and desire that I secretly enjoy this and I secretly like this. We enjoy worldly pleasures and worldly desires. And as we close 2018, you might reflect in this past year and be reminded of some things that you clothed yourself in or you wore. And you think, what on earth was I thinking? What on earth was I wearing? And so we pick up here in this passage in Colossians 3. And Paul, in this passage, is writing to the church and he continues in this specific chapter, he uses this concept of clothing them themselves to remind them of the sanctification and the redeeming work of Jesus Christ. Now, sanctification is just a big word which tells us of the process that God takes us from being the, the sinful, broken people that we were, and he is transforming us into a sacred, set-apart, holy people. And that is a process. <laughs> Unfortunately, it doesn't happen overnight. 
It takes time, but it is a process that God is committed to doing in your life, committed to taking you from glory into glory. And Paul, in this passage, is reminding them that because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, it brings about transformation, not just on the inside, but on the outside. You look differently on the outside. So read with me Colossians chapter 3. We're going to read from verse 1 to 14. Excuse me, sniffing and coughing and that. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Look at this in verse 5. Put to death. Turn to the person next to you and say, put to death. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. And because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Now listen to this. You used to walk in these ways, in the life that you once lived. In verse 8, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And finally, in verse 14, Paul says, And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in the perfect unity. Ultimately, what's going on here in verse 1 to 14 is Paul is reminding the church and telling them, we're about to do a little spiritual makeover, a little spiritual makeover of your life. And in this chapter of the letter and in our service this morning, there's a, a figurative fashion fix, if you will, that we're about to... Go, Paul is challenging us through this word so that we are going to change the inside and the outside of our lives. However, before this transformation happens, like all good makeover shows, Paul is first calling the church and us to identify and recognize what they were or are currently worrying. And my first point this morning is the call to observe observe. You see, before Paul addresses what Christians, and remember the context of this, he's writing to the church, and so he's saying, before Christians, before we look at what we are called to were, and what they should clothe themselves in, he first reminds us of what we first must remove. And in verse 5 and verse 8, Paul gives a list of things, or these are the things that we must get rid of. These are the things that we must remove. And this is the process of sanctification. God is trying to rid these things of your life in order to bring you into glory and clothe you with new things. God must sanctify our sin. But listen to this. God can't sanctify what we won't identify. Let me explain that. You see, 
I don't know if you've noticed, but I didn't accidentally wear this t-shirt out. This was a choice for this. And, and my outfit is a little odd, as you can tell. I chose this shirt. It does have rips. I do enjoy it. Leave me alone. Um, but sometimes what we are like in life is that we go through life looking like this. You might have went through 2018 feeling like this on the inside. You feel like you've carrying guilt, carrying shame, carrying sin and mistakes, past hurts. Maybe if you're online, maybe it's not even just Maybe it's not even just the past year. Maybe it's the past number of years of your life. You just feel like you are broken. And you're worried that if people saw the real you, if people saw the stains and the blemishes and the mistakes of your life, they would label you. Because I'm not going to ask, but I wonder how many when I got up here looked at the stains on my shirt and thought, honestly, are you going to get up like that? But we do that with life. We do that with people. We look at people's decisions and characters and choices and we label them. And we're worried as human beings because we all struggle with this. And we think, well, I don't want people to see this. I don't want people to see this side of me. I don't want people to know this about me because if they do, well, they're going to label me. I don't want to be labeled. I don't want to be labeled the one who struggles with this or the one who struggles with that. And so we just cover it up. And we spend our lives just covering things up from other people. Yeah, I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, yeah. How's your Christmas? Great, great. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And we just spend our lives just covering up and walking back because we don't want anyone to see the real us, the true us, because they will label us. And so similarly, we we do this and carry this idea across with God and our relationship with God. Because we carry it across with God and we think, well, God, I don't want you to see the real me. So I mask it and I cover it up. I cover up my human nature. I cover up my flesh. I don't want anyone to see me. And God, I don't want you to see me because you will label me and you will identify me as something that I am not. Or sometimes what we do is we try to present a reputation that doesn't truly reflect our reality. What we're doing is we're covering this up and we're saying, well, yeah, this is the real me, but underneath we have scars and underneath we have stains and underneath we have mistakes and sins. Or maybe you're also in here and you're maybe you can identify with that a little bit. Or maybe you can identify with this, that sometimes, guys, we are secret sinners. And we can come into church, and we can play church, and we can play Christianity, we can cover ourselves up, and we can lift our hands at the right time and say the right things and do the right things. But underneath, underneath the surface, underneath, we're monsters. Underneath, we are are broken people filled with anger, filled with deceit, filled with destructive uh, abilities underneath. And we think, you know what, I'm just going to keep it covered up. Because if anyone knew what it went on behind the doors, if anyone knew what went on behind the scenes, and so we try to cover that up and, and mask it in front of other people, they, we don't want others to see that. And so again, similarly, we transfer that across to God. And we think, okay, God, well, I'm trying to fool people that everything's going on okay, but I know underneath the surface, I know that I am flawed and broken. And so we take that act across to God and we do the same. We try to fool God. However, in both of these scenarios, in both of these situations, the issue is this, that we are not identifying our sin. We are not recognizing and observing and identifying that we are flawed and broken. And here is the beautiful yet frustrating thing about these scenarios, is that God is both able to and wants to sanctify and redeem you. 
He is able to. But it's not just, it's, it's not an obligation, like, oh, do I have to do that? He wants to. But God cannot sanctify what we won't identify. God cannot bless who you pretend to be. God can't take your life and transform it if you just continue to mask it and cover it up and pretend that you are fine under the surface. And it's why repentance and confession directly to God are vital components of the Christian life. It's why repentance and confession are so, so important that we daily come as we are, scars and struggles along the way and say, God, this is who I really am so that he can sanctify us and identify and uh, redeem us. And in this passage, Paul is challenging us to be honest with God. And if I can be real at the end of 2018, church, which is tough for me to say from here on stage in a position of leadership, but if I'm honest, I feel like a lot of my prayer life is just me coming to God and saying sorry. I just feel like there's a lot of times I'm coming and saying, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry again. God, I'm sorry. God, would you take me as I am? I'm so sorry. And Paul in this passage at the start of this highlights the sins and the flaws and the stains and the blemishes. And it's the truth of who we are, but it challenges us. And we don't like that because we want to just talk about a, a, a gospel that is all about grace and no truth. But listen to this, what Timothy Keller says. Timothy Keller says, truth without grace is not really truth. And grace without truth is not really grace. You see, grace is found in its fullest form and looks its best when it's partnered alongside truth. This is what a guy called Randy Alcorn says. God never ignores the awful truth of our depravity. In fact, or sorry, listen, sorry, I said that wrong. Grace never ignores the awful truth of our depravity. In fact, it emphasizes it. The worse we realize we are, the greater we realize God's grace. See, our challenge at the start here is to, first, is to observe and recognize the brokenness in our lives and honestly take it to God. And Paul says in verse 5 and verse 8 that we must put to death these old tendencies and in verse 8, we must rid ourselves of these. And that's what we, the challenge for us to do. But Paul goes on to tell us and give the motivation and reason why we must do this. And it's the second point. It's because we've outgrown them. See, as I get older, and I say older, I'm 27. I still kind of feel young. But as I get older, I'm realizing in my life that there are certain things that I can wear and can't wear at different ages. I've already tried to plan my like age 30 to 40 like wardrobe to know, okay, these are the things I can wear. Um, and I had this moment last week. I went to get my hair cut last week. And I went to the, the hairdresser and I showed them a photo. And in the photo, it had, um, now forgive me, I didn't get it done as you can tell, but it had like a couple of like lines drawn into the, the side of their hair. And so I was like, she says, do you want that done? But we question, question me, hey, you question me, of course I want it done. Um, and so she started to cut my hair. And then as I thought, I sat there silently as she cut my hair, I thought, you're 27. <laughs> this is acceptable maybe seven or eight years ago. Not now. Don't do it. And I like wrestled with myself and the, she was asking me questions I wasn't answering. Just like, should I get it done? Should I not? What will Kelsey think? What will people think? <laughs> and so I realized, no, I'm 27. You don't do that anymore. Um, if you want to get lines cut in your hair, I'll go for it. Um, <laughs> but I realized there's certain things that I just can't do anymore the older I get. And I realized that there will be a time 
um, where I can't wear skinny jeans with knee rips in them. And you all probably say amen, but that's okay. Whilst I can still wear them, I will do it as much as I can. I will get the most out of that as I can. But in our lives, there are things that we outgrow. Um, this past year, my sister had, uh, her, my, one of my, uh, the other sister that I had, has, um, had her first wee child. And so Kelsey and I bought her uh, a baby grow. But how quickly do babies get, like, grow out of baby grows? Like, like this, I don't know, it's stretched on her now. It's like, how quickly do you grow out of these things? Um, and another thing that we grow out of is uniforms. But I remember when I, and maybe you parents or people who you've had children in the past know this, you, like, you buy the, the uniform, like, eight sizes big, like, so the arms, they can, like, fly to school because we're like, you'll grow into it, son. You'll grow into it, love. And there's just certain things that eventually we grow out of. We grow out of certain styles and we grow out of certain outfits. But the parallel of our lives is similarly. There's certain attitudes and behaviors and patterns in our lives that we've, we've outgrown. Now, it's important to remember the context that Paul is not writing this just to anyone. He's writing this to the church, believers, people who have accepted the salvation have accepted Jesus Christ and salvation, so their lives have to look different. And in verse 7, he gives the reason why they should put to death their old clothes and their old behaviors. In verse 7, it says, you used to walk in these ways, in the life that you once lived. Paul's saying, you used to wear these, but now you've, you're changed. You see, sanctification changes you. We are no longer our old selves. Our identity has changed. Galatians 4 verse 7 Paul, in another letter, writes and says, so you're no longer a slave, but God's child. You were, were a slave. This is your identity. This is who you were. But you're no longer that. That's not who you are anymore. You, because you have accepted Jesus Christ and what he has done on the cross, you are now a child. And so your outfit looks differently. You've been given a new outfit. You've outgrown that old tendency and that old lifestyle. And you're given this new identity and you're given this new outfit. And you see, it wasn't, just, it wasn't just a cleaning job that God did. God didn't just take your old clothes as a slave and go down to the dry cleaners and, and give you them back with a couple of tears and rips and scars. No, he gave you a brand new outfit. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, any, if anyone who is in Christ, he is a new creation. He is new. It says the old has gone and the new is here. If you make a decision to follow Jesus, you are not the old stuff dry cleaned and given back to you. You are given brand, a brand new outfit, brand new garments given by God, new things to clothe ourselves with because we've outgrown those old things. Those old things no longer fit us. Those old things, they no longer suit us anymore. These lists of things that Paul says that we must get rid of are things that we used to wear. However, our decision to follow Jesus gives us access to a brand new wardrobe. See, we need to see these old clothes, these things, these earthly desires, as things that we've outgrown. I wonder, just as a side point, I wonder if actually the reason, I wonder if we would stop struggling with some of the things that we struggle with our old flesh if we decided to look at it through the lens of, I've outgrown this. I've outgrown this. I don't need to keep doing this anymore. I'm past this in my life. You see, like fashion, there are certain things that are on trend and suit us. However, these figurative fashions of our old sinful nature, they don't suit anyone. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, idolatry, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, they don't suit anyone. No one looks good in those. They don't fit well 
on anyone. And in fact, I read there's a, there a girl who, who's from Portadown and has her own uh, poetry um, business and writes poems and sells and things. And she wrote this, Jealousy does not suit you, my darling. It was not made to fit, but love was. Were love. There's certain things that we, we try to wear of our old sinf- sinful nature, but if you've made a decision to follow Jesus, we've outgrown it, and they don't fit us well, and they don't suit us anymore. And this leads us to the third point, because God not only wants to get rid of our old clothes, but he wants to give us something that is more fitting and more attractive. And the third point is outfits. You see, Paul encourages the Christians that since we have been chosen by God, we should clothe ourselves in the outfits that he's provided And in verse 12 to 14, he lists them. He lists compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forbearance, forgiveness, and love. You see, the thing about these outfits is that they are always on trend. They always are in season. These outfits suit every single one of us. These outfits fit any person. In fact, these are the outfits that cause other people to walk past and stop and stir and notice. These are the kind of outfits that when you wear them, other people stop and ask, well, where did you get that from? These are the things that people notice in your life. They will always compliment you. They will always compliment the person that you are. And see, what I love about this is God didn't just give one item, but instead he gave a whole wardrobe of outfits to choose from so that we can be ready for every season and every situation we find ourselves in. I don't know if you've been like me, but there's been times where I've been out in like a t-shirt and a jacket, like a wee light jacket, and then it starts to rain, and you're like, oh no, I have no coat, I have nothing with a hood, and you're raging, and you're like running around, I have no umbrella, and you're trying to hide under bus shelters and everything. Or I've been out before, like Kelsey and I, and, and, and she's cold, and I'm like, I only have like a t-shirt on, like I, I can't give her anything to, to keep her warm. Because we were not well prepared. But this wardrobe that, God, that Paul talks about in verse 12 to 14, this wardrobe from God means that we're always ready. That we are dressed for every occasion. That we are dressed for all environments. That you may go into a workplace and you need compassion for, because some of your work colleagues have went through some difficult things and they need people who are compassionate. Well, there you have compassion that you can clothe yourselves in. You may go in and uh, back home and, and your kids and family are driving you up the walls. Well, well you need patience in those moments. And, and God says, well, I offer patience. Or maybe you need humility. Maybe you need to think of, of yourself less in that moment. God says, well, I can offer you humility. See, we don't, just, we don't want to just tell people about Jesus, but there's an opportunity where we can show people Jesus and what we were and how we were it. But ultimately, as I come to the final point, the choice is ours. You see, the outfits are God's, but my fourth point is the option. Because the option is yours. You see, this isn't just like when you were younger and, and your parents or guardians would have dressed you. They would have chosen you what you were and you didn't get a say in it. See, the option for which outfit you choose is yours. But your option determines your outcome. And Paul says in verse 12, to clothe yourselves He encourages the Christians to opt to clothe themselves with the garments that God has given. However, again, the option is yours. As we reflect on 2018 and look forward into 2019, and we look at all the possibilities and all the opportunities, this choice is left up to you. What will we choose to clothe ourselves with? 
See, I wonder if one of the saddest things for God to look down and see is to know what he has given us access to, the things that we can clothe ourselves in that could help us and protect us, yet we keep on running back to our old rags of our sinful past. I wonder how many of our answers to prayer, how many breakthroughs in our family situation, how many circumstances in work, how many battles in our mind, or maybe the solution to our marriage is hanging on the rail of God's wardrobe if we would just take it. If we would only look and try it on, then we might see that it fits and it's exactly what we need and exactly what we have been looking for. And Paul says in verse 14, over all these virtues, put on love. Paul's reminder here is that love is a noun that we were, but whether we were it or not is an intentional choice. It's as intentional as whether you decide when you're walking out whether I'm going to wear a scarf today or not. Is, is a scarf, is this necessary for what I'm, about to wear, what I'm about to go out to? You see, similarly, we need to look at love and think, well, do I need love today? Is love something that I need to carry with me? But Paul's saying, actually, yeah, you should always put on love. In fact, listen to this as the band come and join me now. Listen to how Eugene Peterson said it in the message. Verse 14, Eugene Peterson in his message translation says this, regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. What an amazing way of putting that. It's your all-purpose garment. No matter what else you were of these things that God offers, compassion, humility, patience, forgiveness, forbearance, whatever, what, no matter what, regardless of that, always were love. Wherever you go, always were it. Always let love be the item that you base the rest of your outfit on. Always let love be your most worn item. Let love be your go-to piece. Let love be the first thing that you reach for. Never leave the house without love. Carry it into every situation, carry it into every home, carry it into every shop, carry it into every workplace, carry it with every relationship you, and friendship that you walk into. Let it be the thing that people notice on you and let people see it on you and want to wear it for themselves. You see, the option is yours. Will 2019 be the year where we clothe ourselves in the garments that God's given us? Or will we return to our old, dirty rags of our past? See, last week we celebrated Christmas. And Jesus came and he showed us how to wear love and how to wear peace and how to wear kindness and how to wear humility. He was the original trendsetter, if you will. And in Easter, we will celebrate his death and his resurrection. And on that cross, Jesus Christ has offered every single one of us our very own wardrobes and our very own outfits that we can clothe ourselves in. And the cost for you and I is that we would choose to let him lead our life and we would choose to let him to forgive us. Before that, we only had filthy rags. Before that, we only had our past and our mistakes. But now we have these royal robes. And right now, as we come around this table, I'm going to ask the servers to come and join me. As we come around this table, we remember that these gifts, these gifts of love, of hope, 
of peace, of grace, of mercy, all of these things. Yes, come on, guys. These things were all given on the cross. And so as we come around this table, we're going to take bread. And in the middle of these, in these little um, jars, there's some gluten-free bread if you need any. We're going to take some bread. Could you guys give some of this out, please? That'd be great. We're going to take some bread and we're going to hold it and we're going to eat it together. But as you hold this, as you hold this and reflect, I want you to reflect on these gifts that God has given you. Yeah, go give them. Guys, that'd be awesome. I want you to hold this and I want you to reflect on the gifts that God has given you. The wardrobe that is you are that is open and you have access to because of his body broken on the cross. Because his blood is shed for us. You see, if you're in here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus, then then please just let this pass you by. But if you're in here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus, but this morning you want this access to these new robes, these new clothes, these new garments that God has given you, then this morning, in the quietness of your heart, you could accept the salvation that Jesus poured out on the cross. And then in that moment, he will take your dirty rags and he will give you these new garments and these new outfits. So just in these moments, we could just take some time as the band plays very quietly in the background and just reflect on what Jesus has done.
In the words of Isaiah 61, you see, when we come around this table and when we take this bread, it represents the body of Jesus Christ broken for us on the cross. We're reminded that we can trade in our ashes and receive a crown of beauty. We can trade in our mourning and instead receive the oil of joy. That we get the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So as we eat this bread, be reminded of what is offered and you have access to. Thank you. And as the cup comes by, if you want to take it and just drink it there and then and put the wee cup back in the holder. And still just take this time, if you're waiting for the cup to come to you or you get it early on, just take this time to reflect. We're in no rush. But at the end of this year, we want to thank God and celebrate and be reminded of the gifts that he has bestowed upon us.
just as you're continuing to take communion, let me just read some well-known verses from Isaiah. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and he bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. Father God, this morning we think back and read these verses and see that you were someone that by your appearance no one else wanted to be around by your appearance you were not something that was attractive to human nature but Father God we thank you for what you have done on the cross that you allow us to be clothed in the greatest of robes that nothing that this world can offer can match what you offer us in your royalty we thank you so much God as we take these emblems of bread and and wine and they represent your body and blood broken and poured out for us so that we can stand here and clothe ourselves in righteousness clothe ourselves in grace clothe ourselves in mercy it's offered to every single one of us and so God I pray as we continue to worship here that we would glorify and honor and worship you God it's all about you we have done nothing to deserve what you have given to us so God we want to take this moment right now in response to worship you to worship you with our singing to worship you with our words we realize that we don't have anything that's near enough to compare with what you have given for us but what we have we give to you and so we are going to worship you and we're going to declare your goodness and your mercy and your grace and your majesty all over this place so church if you're able would you stand with me we're going to worship and a couple of songs here before we close our service. We would want this to be a moment where we just bypass this. But let's honour and glorify God, for he is worthy of every single thing that we bestow to him.